I don't know that I have ever voted for a Democrat. But if I lived in Arizona now, I absolutely would. Good for you, Liz Cheney. I would, too. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am... From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK People Powered Radio, 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Rochester, New York on WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet's and the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing, Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me. Says everyone I know from bradblog.com. I don't know many people. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. That cackle you hear there, that's Desi Doyen. <laughs> yes, hi. How are you, Desiree? I am all right. I consider you a fine fellow, too. Thank you. Well, that's what I said. Everybody I know. <laughs> Coming up momentarily, as we are now just weeks away from the critical midterm election day on November 8, where apparently even Liz Cheney will be voting for Democrats, we will be joined by the developer of a new app for your smartphone, either iPhone or Android-based device, uh, that is meant to make public oversight of election results at the polling place much easier. You know, I, I always advise folks to be at the polls when they close on Election Day to take photos or videos of the poll tapes printed out by the voting and tabulation systems there. Well, now apparently there's an app for that. <laughs> Daniel Wolf of AmericaCounts.us will be here to explain shortly. In the meantime, you know who has some explaining to do of late? That would be Georgia's Republican U.S. Senate nominee, Herschel Walker. More specifically, uh, those Republicans who cynically put this clearly troubled person who has admitted to a long history of mental illness, who put him up as a candidate for the U.S. Senate simply because he was a one-time football hero. He happens to be black in order to take on the state's incumbent Democratic Senator, Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is is also black. 
The news, however, over the past week or so about Walker's past and present continues to get grimmer by the day at this point. After it was revealed with with receipts to back it up, originally by the Daily Beast, that the self-proclaimed Christian family man and strict abortion opponent, uh, Herschel Walker, who, who believes the Abortion must be banned nationally in all instances, even in the case of rape, incest or the life of the mother being at stake. Well, the news broke, as you know, that he actually encouraged and paid for a former girlfriend to have an abortion back in 2009. Walker continues to deny that report, but he also denied even knowing the woman who made the allegations, despite, as we would later learn, the fact that she is the mother of one of his four children. And despite the fact that anti-choice Republicans argue abortion is no different from murdering a baby. Despite that, the party is standing by Walker anyway, who, if the reporting is true, as it appears to be, would have paid to murder his own child at least as Republicans pretend to see it. But of course, they are standing by him now anyway, because despite the history of his lies and the many accusations from his family members of domestic violence, they are standing by him because they need him. They need to use him if they hope to win back a Senate majority in November. Republican Senate heavyweights campaigned alongside Georgia Senate nominee Herschel Walker on Tuesday, brushing aside allegations that the football icon once paid for an abortion and arguing that a Republican Senate majority should be voters foremost priority. According to AP Today, Florida Senator Rick Scott, who chairs Republicans Senate campaign arm and Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, a potential 2024 presidential candidate used to stop on Tuesday on the edge of uh, Metro Atlanta to concentrate on defeating Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. Senators did not directly address questions about whether they had talked privately with Walker about the reports that he paid for and encouraged an abortion in 2009 for a woman with whom he later fathered a child because, frankly, they do not care. They don't care. As they spoke, Washington Post was breaking still more news in this sad story. The mother of uh, uh, Walker's one of Walker's children had to repeatedly press Walker who is now the Republican Senate nominee in Georgia, for the funds to pay for that 2009 abortion that he urged her to have, that according to the woman and a person that she confided in at the time. The new revelations deepen question about Walker's treatment of women and his children, as well as the conflict between his public opposition to abortion and his alleged private behavior. He also criticized black men for being absent parents throughout the campaign, a criticism now leveled at him by the women, by the woman and his grown son, by another mother, Christian Walker. Herschel Walker has acknowledged having four children with four different women. Three have told police that Walker threatened them in various ways. He has not disputed his first wife's account, but he or his campaign have denied the others. 
Christian Walker's mom, who has uh, Christian, has been very critical of uh, Herschel Walker since the allegations of the abortion came out, has in fact called him an absentee dad. Well, his mother, Cindy Grossman, said in two 2008 television interviews that Walker held a gun to her head and threatened to kill her, which Herschel Walker does not dispute, though he says he doesn't remember it. Another woman, a former Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, contacted the police in May of 2002 and accused Herschel Walker of stalking her. A third woman, Micah Dean, told the police in 2012 that Walker threatened to, quote, blow her head off, unquote, when she told him that she wanted to date other people. Walker's campaign has denied both of those accounts, but all of this came before the abortion allegations and well before Walker was drafted by Donald Trump and his party to run for Senate in Georgia. All of this was known or could have been known or should have been known, but they just didn't care. He was their ticket to winning back a Senate seat and a majority in the Senate along with it. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, we tend to cover the track conditions more than the horse races on this show. But we covered the debates held on Monday night in two Senate races in Wisconsin and Ohio, where Democrats have a chance of flipping GOP held seats from red to blue because, frankly, Democrats are running some very good horses. Tim Ryan in Ohio and Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin in those two cases and guess what? They're also running some good horses in the U.S. House as well. Democratic Congressman Sean Kasten is running for re-election in Illinois' 6th Congressional District. He shared some thoughts on Herschel Walker via a Twitter thread on Tuesday. He wrote, uh, I was chatting with a friend about Herschel Walker and wanted to share something that's been bugging me that we were finally able to verbalize. First, he wrote, people who aspire to get into political life are no different from any other subset of people. They have the same mix of talents and flaws, confidences and insecurities, proud accomplishments and embarrassing anecdotes in our past. The difference, of course, is that we are in the public eye and get our jobs through an adversarial, in the best sense of the term, process. If you have more skeletons in your closet than most and or a thin skin, this is not the job for you, Kasten writes. Walker proves that point. He says, imagine that he had never run for office, but you met him at a social event and learned everything you know about him now. Would your instinct be to publicly shame him or ra uh, rather to empathize with the tragedy of wasted potential? I don't raise that to excuse any of his behavior, he writes, only to point out that the bias towards the less tolerant, more hateful path is primarily because he's running for political office. And here's the thing. Everyone who encouraged him to run, who inflated his ego and, and put him in this position, was an elected official who had that opportunity to see his tragedy up close and knew how the process would destroy him, and they did it anyway. And even now, rather than seeing him as a human being who needs help, as a person on a trajectory that does not end well, 
they're doubling down. He is not a person to them, writes Kasten. He's just one in a long, tragic legacy of disposable black men to them. Anyway, Walker needs help, writes Kasten. He needs social services, quiet, self-reflection, and all sorts of other things that cannot possibly be afforded to him so long as he remains a public figure in an innately polarizing job. Any decent person should fear for how this story will end. He concludes to say, you are right to be angry, but direct your anger at those who knew of those transgressions and chose to put him in the line of fire anyway. Lead with love, he adds. That's Illinois' uh, Illinois Democratic uh, Congressman Sean Caston. As I said, the Democrats are running some good horses this year. Yeah, he's one of the one of the really positive, uh, compassionate House members that are running. He also happens to be a clean energy expert oh, in right? his prior life. Yes. Oh, there you go. I had no idea. Yeah, but he's he... one of the smarties that's there in the House <laughs> helping to write up these bills that help move us into the 21st century energy sector. Glad to hear it. And, you know, he's uh, saying pretty much what, Des, you have been saying from the beginning about this whole affair and just how... You know, how pathetic it is, how sad it is, and sad. how this guy has just been used for, you know, the Republicans' purposes. They don't give a damn about him. No, uh, it does really underscore this idea that that really Republicans are just after power and that they will say and do whatever they have to. They will throw anybody in front of the line of fire, as Kasten put it, because they don't really seem to believe in anything other than the will to power. So. As I mentioned yesterday, uh, that Democrats are running some good horses. I also said yesterday, sadly, that Republicans are not. But there are good Republicans out there, even some who I thought I would never say that about. With billboards across Pennsylvania, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, a big spending national committee that is connected to the Republican Never Trump movement and high profile neoconservatives is hoping to convince Republicans that it is okay to cross party lines to support in Pennsylvania Democrat Josh Shapiro in the state's gubernatorial race. The Republican Accountability Pack is putting up more than 30 billboards in the state as part of its $2 million campaign against Republican congressional um, Republican gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano. The billboards feature the headshots of Republican voters past and present who say that they will vote for Mr. Shapiro, the Democrat. The PAC is spending $10 million in total to combat candidates that it deems, quote, anti-democratic. And Doug Mastriano would be one of them. They are uh, spending for these candidates in a number of crucial swing states. One of the PAC's billboards in Pennsylvania reads, quote, I'm a Republican. I support law and order. I'm voting Josh Shapiro. That next to a picture of a woman named Donna from Lower Burrell, Pennsylvania. Another ad reads, quote, I'm a conservative. I'm a gun owner. I'm voting for Josh Shapiro. That shows a picture of a man named James of Farmington in Fayette County. The subject of that billboard, James Carmine, told the Post-Gazette on Monday that he feels betrayed by his party and does not believe the GOP represents his values anymore. 
asked how he came to be involved with the National PAC. Carmine said he sought it out himself and that Bill Crystal, longtime power broker in the conservative think tank space, is one of his idols. Bill Crystal is chairman of the PAC's board. Yes, Bill Crystal, that Bill Crystal, who we have spent uh, years calling out as a fraud, a buffoon, a clown, even after he became a never Trumper, because I have frankly been unconvinced that, well, yeah, these folks opposed Trump. I've been unconvinced that they would actually do the right thing in response by supporting Democrats as opposed to simply saying, oh, I'm going to stay home. I'll write in, you know, Ronald Reagan or something. But I'm giving credit here where it is due. Uh, they are, you know, now specifically out there campaigning, not just against Donald Trump, but actually campaigning for the pro-democracy candidates in a whole bunch of races. And Frankly, I believe that they do deserve credit for that. Yeah, they're putting their money where their mouth is. And I was not sure that they were going to do that. Yeah. And they haven't for a while, a lot of them. Well. But they are. Yeah. It appears to be that they actually are, that they're going, I mean, $10 million is not chump change, frankly. And that's just this one group. The Republican Accountability Project also plans to take on Republicans, uh, Republican Arizona gubernatorial ca candidate Kerry Lake, who's also a 2020 election denier, just like Mastriano. By the way, Mastriano is not only an election denier, he was at the January 6th insurrection. Now he's running for governor in Pennsylvania, the critical battleground state of Pennsylvania, where he will be able to essentially decide whether the 2024 presidential election is certified or not. He has already said he would not have certified Joe Biden's victory in Pennsylvania in 2020. So there's him in Pennsylvania. There's Republican Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, who the, who the uh, Republican Accountability Project is also taking on. Carrie Lake has also said she would not have certified Joe Biden's victory in Arizona had she been governor at the time. They're going after uh, Wisconsin's GOP gubernatorial candidate Tim Michaels. And U.S. Senate candidates Herschel Walker in Georgia and J.D. Vance in Ohio. Good for them. The group is just one part of a larger constellation of Republicans who are working to give disaffected Republican voters an off-ramp from voting for the GOP seditionists who would gladly overturn a Democratic election if they did not like the results, according to Carrie Elleveld at Daily Coast. Last week... Congresswoman Liz Cheney of Wyoming told a crowd of Arizonans that she would, quote, absolutely vote for the state's Democratic nominees for governor and secretary of state. I say this as somebody who, you know, I, my first vote I ever cast, I was 18 years old and I voted for Ronald Reagan. Um, so for almost 40 years now, um, I've been voting Republican. I don't know that I have ever voted for a Democrat. But if I lived in Arizona now, I absolutely would. And for governor and for secretary of state. And I, I think, you know, we cannot be in a position where we elect people who will not fundamentally uphold the sanctity of elections. And I think that that's got to be, you know, more important than anything else. Good for Liz Cheney. 
Good for Liz Cheney. And again, never thought I would say that, but uh, she is does seem to be putting her money where her mouth is. By the way, the candidates, the Democratic candidates in Arizona that she says she would vote for if she lived in Arizona would be uh, the current Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who is running for governor and uh, U.S. Marine Corps vet and formerly the, uh, in, the elections chief in Maricopa County, that's Phoenix, Arizona, Adrian Fontes. The state's GOP nominees for governor, that's Kerry Lake, and Secretary of State Mark Fincham are both avid election deniers who have backed Trump's baseless lie that the 2020 election was stolen from him. And in the case of Mark Fincham, he's already made it clear if he was Secretary of State, he was pu- he would push to do away with absentee voting, despite the fact that 80 percent of voters in Arizona now vote by uh, vote by mail. And Fincham at a uh, a debate recently said, well, it's just I don't like it. That's why I voted the polls. Turns out he doesn't vote at the polls. Turns out he's a liar. It turns out he's a liar. He's been voting by mail since 2004. And it was only 2022 that he finally voted at the precinct. So, yeah, they are liars. So good for Liz Cheney. Uh, She was asked if she would advise reality-based right-wing Republican voters to boycott the midterms if the GOP candidates on the ballot are election deniers. She said no. She said, I would vote. I would advise them to vote against the election deniers. The most important obligation, not just elected officials have, but every single American is to do your part to make sure that people who believe in what the election deniers are saying, the people who would tear the Republican Party down and the Republic down, do not get power. This week, Congressman Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, the only other Republican who serves by alongside Cheney on the select committee in the House, Investigating the January 6th insurrection, he joined his GOP counterpart in endorsing Democrats running against election deniers. By the way, speaking of Kinziger and Cheney, we will have special coverage of Thursday's maybe last January 6th hearing in the House on our next broadcast. But Kinzinger, who is now also an outgoing GOP member of Congress, has endorsed four Democratic Secretary of State candidates, Steve Simon of Minnesota, Jocelyn Benson of Michigan, Adrian Fontes in Arizona, and Cisco Aguilar in Nevada. Kinzinger told Politico a badly placed, bad faith Secretary of State can really throw the whole country into chaos. Uh, He's also thrown his weight behind Democratic gubernatorial candidates, Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania and uh, Hobbs in uh, Katie Hobbs in Arizona. There are more, of course, a coalition of conservative Michiganders unveiled a Republicans for Whitmer group in support of Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer's reelection campaign. Her rival, Tudor Dixon, has indulged in Trump's baseless conspiracy theories about the 2020 election being stolen, despite any evidence to show that to be the case in any state in the union. Jeff Timmer, the former executive director of the Michigan Republican Party, a member of this group supporting Whitmer, told uh, MLive.com that he might differ with her on certain policies, quote, but I view the choice before us as much more existential. He added, Dixon is fueling lies, 
that have weakened our democracy and brought us to this point where elections are hanging by a thread due to propaganda by people like Tudor Dixon. Again, that's the former executive director of the Michigan Republican Party calling for the re-election of the Democratic candidate there. Good for him. In Ohio, a group of current and former Republicans have coalesced around Democratic senatorial nominee Tim Ryan. Congressman Tim Ryan hopes to be the next U.S. senator from Ohio against Trump-endorsed J.D. Vance. A prominent group of Pennsylvania Republicans have similarly lined up behind Josh Shapiro in the Keystone State, including a former congressman, a state Supreme Court justice, the former state House speaker and former lieutenant uh, lieutenant governor. Republicans, all of them lining up behind the Democratic candidate for governor in Pennsylvania. And I think what's important here, and one of the reasons that I'm pointing this out, is to, yes, give an off-ramp to these Republicans, people who, like Liz Cheney, have voted for Republicans for years, can sense, can smell, can see with their own eyes that something has gone terribly wrong with their party. And yet we've become so tribalistic in this country that if you're a Democrat, you must vote for Democrats. If you are a Republican, you must vote for Republicans, no matter how far off the rails. Well, either party has become. But in this case, how far off the rails the Republican Party has become. The Democratic Party is, well, frankly, just the opposite of that. They are not going off the rails as far as I see them. They're finally paying attention to the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party and becoming more progressive and standing for long-held Democratic values. The Republican Party, apparently they have no values at all if you look at the way they're, you know, dealing with Herschel Walker in Georgia. Yes, the the choice is existential, as the Republican from Michigan, who is backing Governor Whitmer, has said. Yep. The choice is existential. It really is. And not just for democracy, but as Desi Doyen will talk your ear off in telling you, <laughs> for the planet itself. Yes. Even in ruby red Idaho, by the way, Bill Crystal once again, and again, can't believe that I'm saying nice things about Bill Crystal. Yes, it's rather shocking. But I am. Again, because, you know, he, he's, he's not just talking the talk. He's walking the walk here. They're, you know, raising money, putting up money, not just to go against uh, bad uh, Republicans, telling people to go vote libertarian instead or stay home, but actually making endorsements of these candidates, these Democratic candidates all over the country. And I think that is critical. Anyway, uh, Crystal tweeted out early Wednesday morning, nearly, quote, nearly 50 longtime Idaho Republicans, including a former governor and dozens of other past and current office holders, endorsed the state's Democratic candidate for attorney general, a guy by the name of Tom Arkush, in uh, in November's election. So good for all of them for doing the right thing. Uh, We'll see if the rest of the Republican voters do. And if they do, by the way, we'll see if their votes get counted as cast. Let's make sure of that, shall we? Let's do whatever we can 
to make sure their votes get counted as cast, as well as everyone's votes get counted as cast. Uh, Yes, even those who are voting for Republicans. Well, there is a new free tool available now, available to anyone and everyone to help do just that from any party or from no party at all in hopes of making sure we can the public can oversee our elections this year and we don't walk away as we did after 2020 with a whole bunch of folks saying, well, we have no idea who won or lost. Maybe it was Trump. Maybe it was Biden. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll see. Maybe this tool will help. Daniel Wolf of America Counts joins us next on the broadcast to talk about it. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by Bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, we reported on yesterday's program how senior officials at the FBI recently, presumably from its newly formed Federal Elections Threat Task Force, who knew we had one, but apparently we do. So those officials had announced that they had, according to USA Today, quote, identified no credible threats to U.S. election systems, despite persistent efforts by foreign adversaries, including Russia, to amplify disinformation about voter fraud and election integrity. Of course, even if true, and I am always skeptical, of course, of government pronouncements, particularly regarding voting systems, given their records of years of failure, including and perhaps especially at the federal level on this topic. But even if uh, even if you believe them, even if that is true, that they have yet to identify credible foreign threats to our voting and tabulation systems in use for the critical upcoming midterms, uh, it A, does not mean that those threats are not out there, but still unidentified by federal officials, and B, as importantly, perhaps even more importantly, it does not speak to domestic threats to our vulnerable voting systems. Years ago, following the disputed 2004 presidential election in Ohio between John Kerry and George W. Bush, a panel was formed headed up by former Republican Secretary of State and Bush family consigliere James Baker. He co-chaired that panel with former Democratic President Jimmy Carter, a longtime champion of Democratic elections across the globe. Now, setting aside the absurdity of James Baker heading up any panel on elections and voting systems, he was, after all, the guy who 
went to the U.S. Supreme Court in the year 2000 on behalf of the Bushes to successfully get a ruling from the Republican majority court to not count the ballots of voters in Florida that would have almost certainly resulted in Al Gore defeating George W. Bush that year. But setting that absurdity of James Baker running an election commission aside, even the compromised Baker-Carter National Election Commission in its final report emphasized a key point that I think many have forgotten about over the years. They stated correctly, quote, there is no reason to trust insiders in the election industry any more than in any other industries. Now, while many focus on the foreign threats to American elections, it's important to remember that our terrible, often impossible to oversee computerized voting and tabulation systems are vulnerable to domestic actors as well, whether they be hackers or election industry insiders, such as those who work for voting system vendors and, yes, even election officials themselves. Moreover, even more overlooked is the possibility of programming error, which occurs far more frequently than you might think, as each and every touchscreen voting system or paper ballot optical scanner or election management uh, system that pulls everything together must be programmed for each and every precinct in each and every county in each and every state for each and every election. And yet there is very little, if any, testing and oversight to assure those systems are actually programmed correctly each time. The public is usually required to simply trust that it is and that results reported by various jurisdictions at the end of election night accurately reflect the intent of the voters. Normally, of course, hopefully, of course, uh, they can trust those results, but there is next to zero public oversight of all of this and whether systems are correctly programmed or not or have been infected by mal malware or not. Well, as you might have noticed, uh, after the 2020 presidential election, that lack of ability for the public to oversee its own election results to assure they are accurate can lead to all sorts of nightmares and unintended consequences like the nightmare created by Donald Trump's evidence-free claims that the election was stolen from him. But because these systems are so non-transparent, it makes it very easy for a charlatan like Donald Trump to claim uh, that he actually won an election that all evidence shows he actually lost. Moreover, as we've spent no small amount of time reporting uh, on in recent months on this program... Acting on Trump's false claims has led to a coordinated effort by MAGA right-wingers to physically breach sensitive voting and tabulation system software around the country in several states, from Mesa County, Colorado, to Coffee County, Georgia, to a whole bunch of townships in Michigan, and often with the help of the very election insiders that the public is told to simply trust along with the voting systems each election year. We've spent nearly two decades at this point reporting on these matters and interviewing cybersecurity and voting system experts who not only warn about the vulnerability of the current systems in use today, but who warn that if the public cannot oversee it, there really is no reason to trust it. Well, 
Overseeing these systems by the public is not easy. In fact, it's often impossible. But there are certain aspects of oversight that the public can, and I would advise should, participate in. And potentially, they can be very helpful in assuring that computerized reported results are accurate or uh, help us find out if, in fact, they contain errors for any reason. For many years now, we have been suggesting to folks that they show up at the polling place at the close of voting to take photos and or videos of the so-called paper poll tapes that are printed out by voting and tabulation systems at the end of the night at each precinct. Those tapes, which are sort of like cash register receipts detailing how many votes were cast and for whom, they offer contemporaneous evidence of how ballots at the precinct have been tabulated by those systems. And while it doesn't necessarily prove that they have been tabulated correctly, for example, if the scanners have been either rigged or merely misprogrammed, but that contemporaneous poll tape evidence can later be compared to how the town or county or state reports the numbers from those same precincts later in the event that the numbers are, for some reason, different. And there are many possible reasons uh, that they could be different, both malicious and uh, benign. Different than the reported numbers from those machines at the precinct on election night. But taking photos or videos of those paper poll tapes, getting that evidence in the first place and then knowing what to do with them, well, that is not particularly easy either for a number of reasons. Fortunately, however, as they used to say in Apple's iPhone commercials, there is now an app for that. Joining us now to discuss that app, an app by the name of Actual Vote, is Daniel Wolf, CEO and founder of AmericaCounts.us, the nonprofit tech firm that developed Actual Vote. He's also a longtime democracy advocate, going back even farther than me, much farther, in fact. Dan got his start in election work in 1984 when he tells me the dean of international legal studies at Harvard Law School asked him to go to Nicaragua on behalf of a Boston Election Observation Commission to research its electoral system at the time. The report that he wrote thereafter became the world's first country-specific election observer's manual. So, yeah, he knows a thing or two about public oversight of elections. Daniel Wolf, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's it's uh, making me laugh <laughs> to hear the reference to something I wrote so darn long ago. Yeah, well, uh, you, you were early uh, to understand the importance of public oversight of elections. Dan, before we get to your actual app, again, called Actual Vote, you know, there, there's a fear by many on the left, including among the real election integrity community, uh, that like you and me, who have been at this for years, of talking about these concerns at all. Now that a bunch of phony folks on the right have suddenly decided to pretend that they're election integrity advocates basically to support Trump's false claims of a stolen election or to use those claims to actually prevent 
legitimate voters from voting through restrictions on vote by mail and early voting. But the very real concerns about our rickety and brittle systems that are vulnerable to both fraud and error have not gone away simply because some on the right now share those concerns. So first, uh, have I accurately characterized the concerns as you see them? Have I overstated anything or left anything out? No, I think you've done a marvelous job. Um, you know, of course, you've got a lot of experience looking and, and talking and thinking about these things, but you've done a marvelous job describing the the problem, the problematic, as it were. Yeah, it's problematic indeed. When and why, uh, Dan, did you start developing actual vote? We'll talk about what it does in a minute. But when when did you start developing it for your nonprofit uh, tech group now called AmericaVotes.us? America Counts. America Counts. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Um, the actually, it goes back to six years ago. This this project, um, you know, this company which I founded six years ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it came out of my giving some uh, being, being brought into a blockchain company, a startup. Uh, I was advising them on securities law, mm-hmm. um, you know, in with reference to blockchain, and of course, the, it was that was it was all upside down at the time. The SEC didn't know what to do about it, but I was having to research um, what you could do with these things, and I and I dug into how apps work, and I realized, oh my gosh, you know, if we had an app for you know for this that and the other thing in elections, mm-hmm. you know, we could actually empower the American people. Uh, to conduct essentially transparency exercises um, on their local election machinery. And I talked to the lead developer of the blockchain uh, software, and he said, yeah, we could do that. And so the, the, the whole team pivoted for about a year uh, to developing apps for, for this. Now, we're not using those old apps. Um, we're, we've, we're not using blockchain right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not ready for us, really. But, uh, you know, but that's where it got started. And, and, and the essential insight was that, uh, you know, I was, you know, I've been carrying around this kind of burden of regret uh, about 2004 and 2000. Mm-hmm. I consider the 2000 election um, to have been, uh, I'm speaking as a lawyer here, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to have been America's first constitutional coup d'etat. Mm-hmm. It was a court-mandated uh, coup, mm-hmm. um, and it was based on uh, some problems in the you know, the way the election system ran. We had conflicts of interest, voter suppression, um, miscounting, all sorts of things. And in 2004, um, with the Gore and Kerry election, um, there, there the, bu- the Bush Bush and Kerry election. I'm sorry, Bush and Kerry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Two Democrats don't run against each other. Um, the, uh, um, the a court, a federal court, in the following year ordered mm-hmm. all of the records, all the counties, to cough up their records of the election, mm-hmm. and all and all of the court, all of the counties that were required to cough, cough these up in a discovery order, had mysteriously had fires, floods, you know, storage problems, and so on, and they had dispensed with. All of their records from you know that they were required by federal law to keep for twenty twenty two months mm-hmm. it was all gone and I realized you know when I was studying the apps that that you know that if, if we had had a way to systematically take pictures of the polling tapes mm-hmm. that were exhibited on election night, it wouldn't have mattered if they'd been burned burned you know flooded drowned whatever right. They would have still existed as evidence, mm-hmm. and that was the really the genesis of my idea for begin you know for providing a crowdsourced mm-hmm. solution 
um, for this problem of preserving evidence before it could be destroyed. Now, I, I've long advocated, uh, Dan, that folks take photos, and, and really coming out of the same concerns out of uh, 2004, that we've been advocating that folks take photos and videos of these poll tapes at the end of election night, you know, just with their cell phone or, you know, back in the day with a, a video camera, whatever. But the question is always, well, then what? We've got these photos. We've got these videos. What do I do with them? Tell me how Actual Vote, which is a free app, I believe it, you can get it at the uh, app, uh, Apple Store and the, 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 the Google Store, whatever they call that. How is it supposed to work and or automate that process uh, to some extent? The, the, well, let me let me say briefly about the problematic um, for 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 in the for how it worked in the past, or mm-hmm. actually didn't work. If people took a picture of the tape in the past, the question was, who do I send it to? Right. You know, yeah, there's a difference here, but who do I send it to? Right. Or you know, who's collecting it? You know, I've taken a picture, but what about the next precinct, the next precinct, the next precinct? Mm-hmm. And so nobody was actually collecting it. There's been no way in the past to actually collect it and systematically see what was happening, whether there were maybe the precinct that somebody took a picture of only had three votes of difference. Well, guess what? The 13,000 votes that, that Gore discovered in 2000, 2000 had, mm-hmm. that had been wrongly, um, they wrongly were ne- recorded in yeah, one county right. would have disappeared. It could have been disappeared in three votes per precinct. So what we do is if, 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 it's, if the app is ubiquitously used mm-hmm. across a jurisdiction, then the person who's taking the picture just simply presses the button. It goes submit. The, the video goes up to a secure server. If it's not a cat video, it goes on to the uh, onto a database that is public facing. It's read only, but completely open database. Mm-hmm. Anybody in the world can see the video of the poll tape. Then we have a transcription process that goes on. Of course, anybody else can transcribe it as well. Right now, we're not using optical character recognition. We're working on, on artificial intelligence and OCR in order to speed up this process. But right now, our plan is to, uh, as we've done in the past, is to transcribe the races that we are most concerned about and then compare those in a spreadsheet using pivot table to the actual released results. And anything that pops out, we then would go back to the election administrators and say, look, we found a discrepancy. What about it? Well, most of those discrepancies are going to be resolved. But those that aren't resolved can then be looked at more deeply and say, where did this come from? And if they cannot resolve that, then it gives the candidate or anybody else who's concerned about that particular race um, the ability to go into court and say, look, Your Honor, I've got documented evidence of discrepancies in Mm -hmm. the results reporting, and it may have affected the election, and I'd like an injunction against certification pending an explanation and a correction Mm -hmm. of any problems. So, uh, and of course, that's all uh, complicated. There's a lot of effort that goes into that, comparing those numbers and so forth. As far as uh, we, the people, are concerned, the voters, uh, hopefully the process is much simpler. If you get the app, you go to your, your, your precinct, the app walks you through basically how to uh, take a videotape of the, the poll tape, the so-called you know, like cash register tapes that come out of those machines, and then it gets uploaded to you. And I can forget about it, right? I've done essentially. I've done my part as the voter to help you document this, and you and your experts and the public, by the way, because you said you're going to publish these uh, publicly. The public can all look over this material, and and my job is done essentially. Correct? 
That's correct. It's, we've taken all of the hard work and put it on the back end. All the public me- member of the public has to do is mm-hmm. make sure that the video is focused mm-hmm. and that the poll tape takes up most of the screen but doesn't take up too much because then we won't be able to see the numbers on it. Mm-hmm. And they go from top to bottom. That's their, you know, if they take a half an hour sometime before, the, before they do this to practice that to make sure they're doing it right, and everybody knows how to use their video on their camera, but they may, well. not, be cons- <laughs> they may not know how to do it just this way. Uh-huh. So spend a half an hour or so practicing. Ah, okay, I got it. Then on election night, they go to the poll or the next morning, mm-hmm. either way. The light's better in the morning, but the chain of custody suggests that it's better to do it at night. But then they have to use a flashlight because in November, of course, you know, it's dark at night. And the, uh, they, take, they simply take a picture from the top to the bottom. They get to the bottom. They click they they click the mm-hmm. button they look at it if they want to see it to make mm-hmm. sure they can review it but ultimately they just click submit and they're done they can go on to the next tape or they can just go home and of course a lot of those tapes are gone by the next morning there is True. In, in theory they're supposed to be uh, you know posted outside the polling place but the rules are different in every uh, unfortunately in every state often in uh, each you know jurisdiction in each state i've heard over the years uh, Dan, uh, uh, folks who have tried, who have gone to the uh, polling place at the end of uh, uh, voting, they've tried to uh, photograph poll tapes only to be told they're not allowed to do so. Now, my understanding is that while some jurisdictions around the country have made it unlawful to use cameras in the polling place during voting, that the process is supposed to be fully open to the public uh, to document, etc., after the polls close. Uh, is that your understanding as well? And can you speak to that? What, what happens if uh, people are told, uh, no, you're not allowed to use your phone here? Well, the laws vary as far as, as camera use goes, but once a, once a tape, once information, public information is posted in the public, you have a First Amendment right to take a picture of it. You know, that's after the, after the counting is done and everything. Now, if you are a poll watcher inside the polling place, uh, unless you have an, an adversarial relationship with the polling officials, you should probably be able to take a picture of the polling tapes, um, mm-hmm. you know, d- before they're taped up on the wall or before they go in the box to go back to Central HQ. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the laws vary. Um, it's always good to have the cooperation of local officials because then you just have less of a hassle. Um, if the tapes aren't actually posted. Um, so, and we had the experience in Broward County in 2018 of um, the, the, the local, local election official, a Democrat, mm-hmm. who was widely considered to be corrupt, but I don't know if she was or not, but certainly mm-hmm. things were weird this time. Mm-hmm. Um, she, um, they found out that we were doing this, mm-hmm. and I had a funny interaction with a polling place official where the polling place official kind of focused on this issue. And and that night, all of the polling tapes, almost all the polling tapes we expected to be there of our people going out and taking pictures were there. The next morning, half of them were gone, mm-hmm. and by Thursday they were all gone, and they were asking, our people were asking the, the property administrators and the managers and janitors and so on, where'd these tapes go? They're supposed to be here. They're just supposed to be left up under Florida law. Mm-hmm. Oh, election workers came, came out and took mm-hmm. them down. That was, I think... You know, a deliberate effort to stymie our our work. So, if the tapes disappear.
here, they still have them at the election headquarters. Mm -hmm. So we have done this, too. We've gone down after the election and asked to see the tapes, Mm. and they have to show it because it's public information. Now, it may be a hassle you get into going back and forth with them, but if you don't see a poll tape at your polling place, go down to the election office, registrar of voters or supervisor of election, whatever you call it, in your your jurisdiction, and ask to see the tapes for these polling places. Which is just one of the reasons why I say, you know, do it on election night before exactly. before anything can escape uh, or right. or be changed, et cetera, et cetera. If you get exactly. it there contemporaneously, that is the best evidence that can be used. Uh, now, Dan, I, I uh, and by the way, I, I downloaded the app and I uh, looked at it a little bit as we're chatting here. I might suggest for a future an update of the app, you might want to include some of those. Some of that legal advice or the thoughts on, you know, what is allowable and what is not. I know it varies, but just to give uh, folks, because I suspect folks are going to run into some, you know, election officials who say you cannot do this. Go away and maybe give them some actual uh, uh, legal support when it comes to their uh, rights to oversee elections. Sure, sure. Uh, You're absolutely right. Ultimately, well, right now there's a link through to the website, Mm -hmm. Mm americaccounts.us, and there is a discussion of some of these issues. Ah. But as we go along, we will deepen that discussion, and uh, you know, if and when we get adequate funding, we'll be putting together a formal legal department so we'll be able to go to bat for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, ultimately, we'd like to be able to, to dip into any jurisdiction in the United States and go to bat for people. But that's going to take a little while. The, uh, I've got just a, a couple of minutes here, uh, Dan. I, I believe you are a progressive, but this uh, really is a nonpartisan app, no? I mean, it, it wouldn't it help uh, just as much if right-wingers who do not trust the process for good or bad reasons at this point, wouldn't it help just as much if, if those folks who don't trust it also used it to document this? Absolutely. Look, I'm, I, I'm I'm completely okay with declaring that I'm a you know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a registered Democrat on the on the left of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But before I'm a Democrat, I'm an American, and as an American, I believe in keeping our systems working: the rule of law, the good elections. Look, we re, we have a republic based on voting, which is democratic. We have to keep the if we can't choose our leadership in a fair way so that it reflects the majority sentiment of the country, our representative government fails fundamentally. And so in order you know so the people on the right and people on the left have a joint mutual interest in preserving the right of voters to select their leaders in a fair and accurate way. Mm-hmm. If we lose that, we lose everything. And I would say, I mean, just from, you know, covering the uh, the the voting wars or the election integrity wars of the past two years since uh, since 2020, this is just the ticket for those MAGA folks who do not trust elections. This is for you just as much as it is for anyone on the left. I talk to Trump voters whenever I can, Mm -hmm. and I always enjoy my conversations with them. And as soon as they find out what I'm doing, because I talk knowledgeably about this, and they say, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And I tell them, and they always say, oh, my gosh, can we use your tools? And I say, absolutely. My dream for this whole audit system, you know, is that somebody in very possibly conservative Republicans, MAGA Republicans, will pick it up and they will do some hard auditing work in mm-hmm. some place like Chicago where finding problems is like shooting fish in a barrel, <laughs> and they will ignite a war of mutual assured accountability. And go. then the whole American public will have 
the answer to whether their elections are trustworthy or if they are not, they will have the data to be basically to force institution reforms and then they will be trustworthy. The app is called Actual Vote. It is free. You can download it from the app stores to your phone. I hope uh, people do. I hope people use it. I'm sure we'll mention it uh, at least a few more times between now and November. But Daniel Wolf. CEO, founder of AmericaCounts.us. Thank you, sir, for developing it and for your, frankly, your decades of service uh, to help the public oversee uh, our own democracy. It is greatly appreciated, sir. America Counts can be found on Twitter at America underscore counts. And of course, their website is AmericaCounts.us. Daniel Wolf, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, sir. Okay, uh, we got to get out, but mutual assured accountability. I kind of like like that that phrase. Mutual assured accountability. I I would only disagree with him on one point, however, uh, when he says our elections will then be trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Our elections will never be trustworthy. They never (laughs) should be. We should oversee. The public must always be able to oversee our elections. They're not about trust or faith. They're about oversight, public oversight, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I I really do hope that folks will get involved uh, in this election, either by using this app or finding any of the many any other ways that one can get involved yep. and help poll worker, poll watcher, you know, helping other people register to vote. I mean, there's lots of ways to get engaged in saving your country this election. There's only that at stake. And I'll tell you, if I wasn't, you know, didn't need to be sort of watching the results coming in, sweating, uh, figuring out what's going on, if if they make sense, et cetera, I would love to be out there at the polling place uh, taking poll day. tapes and, and being a poll worker. Please sign up to do that if you have uh, the ability to do so. Once again, your democracy needs you. we got to get out. My thanks again to Dan Wolf of AmericaCounts.us and to our producer, Desi Doyne, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate so that everyone else who can't donate or won't or doesn't uh, can still listen to our shows and read bradblog.com. No paywall ever, I hope. Anyway, uh, drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Brad Blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time with special coverage of the next and maybe last January 6th House Committee hearing. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.